Amen. Amen. If you did uh, get healed, please do come and uh, do come and see me. It's great to be here. I'm excited to speak to you this morning. Feel that God's given me some things to say, and in many ways, the testimonies that were shared uh, were kind of part of that. This morning, we're continuing a series called "Be Prepared," which came out of a number of prophetic words that came to us as a church at the end of last term, and I started this series on the 6th of October by going through a number of those prophetic words. And if you miss that talk, please go on the website and have a listen, or you won't really understand what we're talking about uh, this term. But just to remind you, if you were there, we were explaining about how God's spoken to us and how we're planning to respond. And I gave a bit of a, a strap line that I felt God had impressed upon me that the church is God's family on God's mission. The church is God's family on God's mission. That's what we are. That's what we are to do. That's who we are. And one application point I made regarding Sunday morning, and Pippa referred to it, was that it's easy not to be here. It's easy with lots of other things going on in our lives not to be here. And it's very easy, even if we're here, to rush in late and rush away at the end, to allow no time for fellowshipping, for being family together. A family that just asks, how are you doing? How's your week been? To say hello to one another, to express interest and care in one another, and to anybody else who just happens to have joined us on that Sunday morning. And so I was encouraging everybody to do what I called the 15-minute challenge, which was come 15 minutes early before we start worship and say hi to people. Say hi and welcome to anybody who's a guest here. Say hi and welcome to the steward team and the refreshment team and the PA person who have been here since half past eight setting everything up. Be ready to worship at half past 10, which is when we start. So I was kind of saying there are a whole load of great things that you and I can do if we're here 15 minutes early. Amen? All right. And then I said as well, it's a 15-minute challenge. What about staying at the end if you possibly can for 15 minutes and having a cup of coffee and having a cup of tea and having a glass of water and fellowshipping, talking, not just to people that you know, but to people that you don't know? to new people in church or people in church who have been in, around for a long time, but you've never actually had the chance to go and speak to them. And if you struggle with what to say, then let me help you. I heard this quote from someone, be interested and you'll be interesting. Be interested and you'll be interesting. So let me help you. If you don't know what to say, but what would I say? Here we go. What's your name? What's your name? How's your week been? You don't need to make a note of these, honestly. <laughs> you don't need, listen, how's your week been? What do you do for a job? Tell me about your family. What are your hobbies? Did you enjoy watching England stuff the All Blacks on Saturday? <laughs> How did you become a Christian? That's a great question. Here's another great one. What can I pray for you for this week? I'm going to do a little dance at that one. That's a great question. What can I pray for you for this week? What's coming up in your life? 
And you know, if those questions don't start a conversation, just smile, say God bless you and move on. But really, I just think that we, you know, it's simple, but I think it's so key. So I want to say to anyone who has purposely been coming earlier, staying a bit later, well done, well done, well done, don't give up. And this morning, when we end officially at 12.15, I want to ask that everyone who can stays for coffee and fellowship. So I want to ask stewards, don't put the stuff away. Band, just put your instruments down, but don't pack them away. PA, don't take the stuff down. I want us to stop at the end at 12.15 and all have coffee. Is that all right? All right. That's what I'd like. Look, if you have to go at 12.15 because you've already arranged to have a meal or something else, then don't feel guilty. That's fine. But the truth is, the majority of us, the majority of time, we don't need to rush away. But we can easily get into the habit of it. And if we forget that we are God's family, the danger is that Sunday morning becomes a service that we go to, not a gathering of the family which God has made me part of. Let me say that again. If we don't get this, it's easy that Sunday morning becomes a service that we go to rather than a gathering of the family of which God has made me a part of. You may think, Dale, you have your bit between your teeth about this. I do have my bit between my teeth about this because I feel like God has placed it there because he's trying to help us to remember to be and act like who we are which is his family. Is that all right? Okay, so this Sunday and next Sunday, I was due to speak about uh, loving people who require extra grace and loving people without time, money, and possessions, which were two phrases that came out of those prophetic words. And I am going to cover both those, but I'm not going to look at them specifically. I do think God wants us to do them both, but actually I want to really talk about something which is foundational to them. Because the starting place for both of those is that they start with God's call for you and I to love people. And that's really what I want to focus on the next couple of weeks. God's call to love people. There are no handouts. There is nothing going to come up on the screen. If anything in what I say is worth remembering, you will remember it, I believe. You see, God loves us, and out of that love, he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus loves us, and out of that love, he lived a completely obedient life and was then willing to be nailed to a cross and on the cross to suffer for our sin. The Holy Spirit loves us and came to live inside of us. You see, the love of the Father and the love of the Son and the love of the Spirit is defined and understood and manifested in doing good things for the benefit of others. And in their case, others meant people generally and Christians specifically. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Our salvation and our peace with God was given to us because of the love of God, we are who we are. Because Jesus loves us, we are who we are. And Jesus gave this new commandment. It wasn't really a new commandment. It was really a summary and a distilling of really all the other commandments. But he put it into kind of one snappy line with this new covenant that he paid for with his own life. When he said in John 13, a new commandment I give you. Love one another 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And we know Jesus was talking to his disciples, but we also know from what Quincy reminded us a couple of weeks ago, that in terms of who is my neighbor, God wants us to love people, period, generally. He wants us to have a special love maybe for the family, but it starts with having a love for people. And that's the call. That's the challenge. That's the command to us who are Christians. We've received God's unearned, unmerited love, and we are to love others out of that love. As we have been loved, so we are to love others. And I don't know about you, but I find this a challenge. Does anybody else find this a challenge? See, I'm really grateful for my own salvation. I understand it's it's entirely God's work, out of his goodness, his sacrificial work. I understand. I understand that God and Jesus are worthy of all my life, all my praise. I might struggle with putting that into reality, but I understand that it's right. It's good. I know I must cry out to God to help me to love him and serve him. I get all that. But when it comes to loving other people as God loved me, that's, that's a challenge that's off the charts as far as I'm concerned. But I believe that's what God wants for me, what he wants for you, what he wants for us as a church. And he's committed, he's determined, and he's able to help us if we are committed and willing to learn and be empowered by him. God is teaching me this. I'm 50, but I'm not too old to learn new things. Let me explain. Let me just explain. And God is doing this all backwards for me. He's doing it all backwards. Let me explain what I mean by that. When I was in Spain, in Malaga, at this conference a month or so ago, this church planting conference, it was all about mission. It was all about being on mission. But early on, God kept drumming into me that phrase, the church is God's family on God's mission. Thing is, the emphasis of the conference was all on the second half of that phrase, the mission, on reaching out, on being witnesses. And yet the more that I considered what being on mission looked like and meant in terms of my own life, the more that I felt God kept focusing me to God's family, to God's church. You know that picture that when you point a finger at somebody else, there are three more pointing back at you? You know that one? That's how I felt about it. I, it's like I just couldn't separate mission and witnessing from how I thought about the church and God's family. And I think... That's because the call is to love people as God has loved me. That includes people who are already in the church, already part of God's family. That includes people who are currently outside of the church that God wants to bring into his family, which is what mission and witnessing are about. And so as hard as I tried to separate the two, I couldn't. Does that make sense? So loving people as defined and commanded by Jesus is, is, is the same, whether that person's a Christian or not. In fact, if I can't love those people who, who God has placed me in family with, how, do, how am I going to love people who are not in the family? So if the church is God's family or mission, I need to love both. And in fact, learning to love one will help me to love the other. You see, learning to love my brothers and sisters in Christ will help me to learn to love those who are not yet my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And so my conclusion for myself over the last few months, and God's been encouraging me and confirming me in this, is that Jesus loves me, calls me to love others, and so the issue lies with me. The person that needs to change is me. I need God to do a work in my heart so that in his strength I can love other people. I need to be regularly receiving and relying on his love so that I have something to give out of his love to other people who don't know him. I don't need others to change. I don't need them to become nicer. I don't need them to click with me. I don't need them to think right or stop acting wrong. I need God to keep doing an ongoing work in my heart that I might love other people. But if you're anything like me, then you might say, great, but, but they'll just earth this. Because this command to love remains just a concept unless there are some tangible things to be done. See, as I said, God loves and sent his one and only son. If he didn't send him, salvation would have just been a nice idea, but unobtainable. We only benefit from God's love through God's action, which was sending his son. Jesus loves and he lived and sacrificed himself. Again, it's his action which defines and explains what love is and makes it real and obtainable and applicable to us. And so for me, both since Ashburnham, I've been asking God, help me. How do I love unbelievers? How do I reach those who don't know him? How do I personally engage with being part of your family, God, and being on your mission? What I found is that everything that applies to being on mission also applies to being part of God's family. That what applies to loving those outside the church applies to loving those inside the church. That actually, God is not so concerned about other people. God is concerned about me. His goal is to make me more loving. Are you with me? It's not to make people in my church nicer or people outside the church a bit less, not very nice. Are you with me? I am simple, I know, but you can get into this. If, everything, if, if they were nicer, I'd be nicer to them. If they were more like me, I, I'd spend time with them. But love says, no, no, I want to change you some. If I change you, if I change you, you don't need to worry about those others. You can bless them and love them. And as I started to pray about this message this morning, I felt God direct me, funnily enough, to a seminar that was given at Ashburnham that I didn't hear at the event because I had a few other things going on at the time. And it was given by a guy called Pete Anderson. And its focus is about witnessing, and it's just what he does. And this week, earlier in the week, I listened to it, and I thought, this is great. He's talking about many of the things that God's already been speaking to me about since Ashburnham and got me involved in. And even though Pete Anderson's focus is on reaching people outside the church. As I listened, I realized these same simple points hold true inside the church and outside the church because he wants to make me more loving, full stop. So what works with one works with the other. And so this morning and next Sunday, I'm just going to go through with you the three simple points that Pete Anderson made. And if you were there and heard it, then this is great because it's an encouragement to you. You can be reminded and see how you're getting on. And if you weren't there, then I want to encourage you, go on the Newground website, 
Find the Pete Anderson seminar and listen to it. Don't think, oh, Dale told us about that. I don't need to. I'm only giving you a few main points. He tells lots of stories that bring it to life, but they're his stories. I can't tell you his stories. They're his stories. But I think it's worth a listen. It's 45 minutes. And I think this is such a key subject for us as a church right now. Because as a church, I think our corporate witness, what we do on mission together, I think is good, is strong. We're active in lots of areas. We're involved in lots of things. In any one week or two weeks, we'll have people going into Oxted School to do lessons, to do the Christian Union, uh, to do reading assistance. We'll have an alpha going on. We'll have a just looking going on. There's a meeting about the IJM Justice Group. There's youth stuff and there's kids stuff and there's discipleship courses. And there's a whole load of stuff. We're helping other churches uh, in the UK and to be planted. I think our corporate witness is strong. Sometimes I look back, I go, wow, God, how do we do all the things that we do? If I'm honest, it is ridiculous. People ask me what our church does. I tell them, they imagine we're three times as big as we are. And I give all the glory to God for that. But for me personally, and I wonder if for many of us, the whole thing of our individual, being individual witnesses, personally, being ambassadors, witnesses for Jesus, among the people that we live amongst and live amongst, friends, colleagues, people we just bumped into in life. I wonder if that is what weak, is what's weak. It's weak for me. It's always been weak for me. In the 35 years I've been a Christian, it's been weak. Put me on an alpha course, it's not a problem. G me up, G me up, and I'll go out and do prayer on the street. But just being a witness for Jesus in the ordinary every day of life, I find that really difficult. But I am determined, because I think God is determined, that it will not stay the same. I think we struggle. I struggle to know what to say, how to even begin to share Jesus, to begin to express something of the love that he's given to me for them. Graham Hunter shared a picture a few weeks ago, and I met with him last week to hear it. It was about a construction site, and Jesus was building, was building, was building. And it was a good, he was putting strong foundations in, I think Graham said. But there was a whole crowd of people that were looking on the construction site, and they wanted to get involved, and they had kind of tools, and Jesus wanted them to get involved, but they were hesitant. They weren't sure they weren't getting involved. Were they worthy enough? Would they mess it up? Should they? Shouldn't they? They were like this. Should they get involved? I think the application is God is wanting us to get involved as he builds the church, as he builds the kingdom. Now is the time, I think he's saying, now is the time. Pick up your tool, if it's a saw or a hammer or whatever it might be, if it's a bit of, I don't know, old drain pipe, pick it up, get on the building site. Because Jesus is building. And uh, these are three things that Pete Anderson shared that I believe can help us to turn good intentions into reality. This call to love people. Okay, great, God, but help me. Show me what do I need to do. There are three very simple points that I think earth Jesus' command to love people inside the church. Here you go. They are prayer, care, and share. Now, there's only three, and I nearly got them wrong. Did you notice that? <laughs> so it's maybe not so easy, but prayer care, 
and share. I like them because they rhyme. And I remember things like that because I'm simple. <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling your heart for me. I'm going to take that in the right way. Was that you, Becky? Shall I, shall I tell them a story? No, I won't. Okay, moving on. And just to say that before we unpack them over the next couple of weeks, probably focusing on prayer this morning, the other two next Sunday, in terms of share, let me just say this. What people who don't know Jesus need to hear is the gospel. You might say a whole load of things, and you might need to do a whole load of things to get a hearing, but what they need to hear is the gospel. People cannot be saved unless they hear that there's a God that is holy, that our sin has separated us for him, but that he sent his son Jesus who came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and suffered on the cross so that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus can be saved. That's the gospel in a nutshell. People need to hear that. But let me just say this as well. What believers need shared with them is the gospel. Is the good news that they were once sinners and cut off from God, but Jesus has come down and saved them. So actually what unbelievers and believers need to have shared with them is still the good news about Jesus. So how do we share the gospel in a way that wins people over? Let me give you this story from uh, what happened to me this week. Uh, I've, been, I've been praying uh, since Ashburnham uh, and definitely Malaga. I've been trying to pray uh, each day. God, give me opportunities. Give me opportunities. Give me opportunities. That's where I run out of those words. So what I've done is I took someone's advice and I pray in tongues. Try and pray in tongues uh, uh, for opportunities. I can pray in tongues for much longer than I can pray in English, really, because, you know, I just pray, uh, pray my heart out, etc. That's what I've been doing. And this week, um, I've been thinking about this message, and I knew it was going to be slightly different than we'd planned, and I kind of had it all swirling around in my head. And on Wednesday, I had a kind of good chunk of time written off to write it down. I've, I've walked the dog. I'll go into town. I'll sit at one of the coffee shops and, and, and start pulling it all together. It's better than the office. So I walk down into town. I normally go to Nero because I'm a Nero snob, really. And uh, as I get down there, I felt kind of God say, don't go to Nero. So, okay, I won't go to Nero. I'll go to Costa. And I kind of thought, well, maybe it won't be helpful. I'll go to Costa. And I'd been in Costa and I'd seen that they do a medium latte and you pay two pounds, get a bacon roll. I thought, jobs are good, really. <laughs> I'm going to Costa. So I walk into Costa, get my coffee. I turn around and I'm there's, a couple, there's a couple of nice chairs in, in Costa. That's where I normally sit if I go there, which is not very often, but sometimes I do. And uh, I put my bag down on the table, went back to get my drink. I felt God say, don't sit there. Go sit in the conservatory. Okay. Oh, well, maybe that's a better place to sit. Maybe it's going to be noisy out here. Maybe there'll be some kids. Whatever. Pick up my stuff. Go in, walk into the conservatory. Nobody in there at all. I think I'll go to the table right up the end because there's no point sitting on the sofa that's opposite it. I'll sit on the little two-seater sofa up there, get me a paper out, get me a bacon roll. Jobs are good, right? Not a problem. I think I'll do this and then I'll get on with my sermon. Two people walk in, man and a woman, come and sit down on the sofa right opposite me. They've got the whole conservatory. They come and sit right there. And literally, they're that far away from me because they're sat there on the sofa like that. And they're looking at me and I'm, okay. They start talking. I can't, I can't not overhear what they're saying. There's no music. He's just been let go from his job. He's just been told. Um, for whatever reason. I don't know what it sounds like. He maybe had a temporary contract. And this lady was obviously from the HR, and she was trying to tell him a bit why, say to him, you know, this is an opportunity to do other things. He was obviously struggling with why didn't people like me? Didn't I do the job right? 
and they're going backwards and forwards. I'm just trying to read the paper, but I can't read the paper because they're there like this and they're talking and it suddenly dawns on me. Oh God, I would normally be in Nero, but, I, but I'm not, I'm in Costa. I'd normally be sat out the front, but I'm not, I'm sat here. Is this you, God? Is this you? Now, the problem with asking that is, guess what God said? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> you asked for opportunities, now you've got one. So now what are you going to do? So now begins a 10-minute battle in my brain. <laughs> if I could give you a club, look in. Because what do I do? How do I break in? It's not like he's got a bad arm I can ask to pray for. He's pouring out his heart. God, what do I say? Should I say? What a... So anyway, I had in my bag one of those little King's Church things. I was so glad I had this in my bag because I thought that'll help me. <laughs> That'll help me. So, okay. So, I work, okay, God, I'm talking to God and I'm kind of listening. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to talk to God. Okay, I work out. Robbie, the best thing to say is this something like, look, sorry to interrupt, but I'm a Christian. I'm so sorry to hear what's happened to you. I'm going to pray for you. Here's a card if you want to know anything else. Right? I thought that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but what else do you do? I mean, I don't know. I'm just working out as I go along. So, I think, okay, that's what I need to do. I'm, I'm expressing care for him. I am going to pray for him. And if he wants to know any more, at least he'll have the website of a, of a church. Right, God, that's what I'm going to do. They're talking. The lady says, I'm going to go in my car because the car parking space is up. I think, great, I'll wait for her to go. But she's not going. Oh, maybe, God, you want me to wait till she's gone. I feel God saying, no, no, I don't. Oh, that's... <laughs> I thought that was my delay. Do you know what I mean? My delay. Then somebody else came in. Oh, God, now somebody else has come in. I can't do that. Why not? Oh, truth. Okay, so I do what only, a, what only a man can do in this stage, which is go to the loo, right? Because <laughs> I've been there. I don't know what to do now. I'll go to the loo. So I go to the loo. I go to the loo. But I'm really, God, do, is this really, do I, is, do I, I go to the loo. I finish, I'm standing up now. I'm standing up now. They're right there, still talking. I've kind of caught their eye. That doesn't make it easier. I go into my bag, I pick up the thing, and I drop it. <laughs> I drop it. I, oh, what an idiot. What an idiot, 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 idiot. Now, here's the moment. Am I going to do it or not? Am I going to do it? Really, it's the battle. It's mad, it's a battle. I used to be a policeman. I've been in pub fights. I'm not worried. This is just a cut. But it's the kingdom of God, and it's a battle. It's just, and, and, and here's the thing. I can't do it just to give a good illustration on Sunday. Because if it would, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, I wouldn't. I'm not that bold. I realized quickly, no, no, it's got to be, because actually, God, I think you care for this bloke. It's not about me. It's not about a sermon illustration. It's about this bloke's going through a hard time, and you've put a Christian in front of him. Am I going to get, okay, okay. So I do, I just look at them, I say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to let you know that I'm sorry to hear what you've said. I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray for you. And here's a card. You want to know any more? Thanks very much. And I go. I don't know how God's going to use that. But I walked out and thought, yeah, God, that's what you wanted me to do. I didn't walk away. He hasn't phoned up. I got home that night. And I thought, well, God, was that it kind of thing? Was that it really? Uh, uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. That's fine. I've done my bit. Fine. A couple of days later, I was with a couple of church leaders talking about their churches and stuff that's going on with them. I was praying for them. And at the end, one of these guys who doesn't know, I'd never told him this story, never told him anything about this. He's not a particularly prophetic bloke, I don't think. You know, he's not. He turned to me at the end of the prayer time, bearing in mind I'd been praying. He looked at me and he said, 
say, oh, I hate shaving. Now, I hate shaving as well. He said, I hate shaving. He said, the, the hairs go all round, and I hate shaving, he said. But just recently, I've bought a brand new razor, like an old-fashioned one, and I shave, and it's brilliant. I love shaving now. And I was standing there thinking, I hate shaving too. I'm going to use some of my 50th birthday money to buy a new razor because I hate shaving so much. That's what I was thinking. And then he said, because I'm thinking, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> I've got no idea where it's going. He looked at me, and he said, he said, this is about you witnessing. And at the moment, it feels really uncomfortable to you, like shaving did to me. But God said to me that if you will carry on and press on, he's going to make it seem really easy for you. Honestly, I, I, I was just amazed. So God's on this. I'm just convinced. God, and he's on this for me. And, and I suppose I'm praying he's going to be on this for you as well. Let me just go through. Oh, Ruth, look at the time. Never mind. Okay. Another seven minutes will be done. See, Jesus is our model as always. The New Testament's recorded he had 132 encounters with people that were not believers, six in the temple, four in the synagogue, and 122 in people's streets, in people's houses, at weddings, and at parties. You see, Jesus understood that holiness wasn't separation from sinners, it was separation from sin. So he walked in their world. He spent time with drunkards but never got drunk. He spent time with prostitutes, but never compromised sexually. He spent time with sinners not to do the sinful things they did, but to reach them for a God that they didn't know, which is why he came in the first place. There's a fascinating passage in Romans 9, 1 to 3. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, the guy who persecuted Christians, but then God literally took him off his feet and turned his life around. He said this, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. This is the Apostle Paul. And he says, I would rather be cursed by God and cut off from Christ if it would mean that my people who are not saved would be saved. And if you and I are going to answer, well, that's Paul, you're just being dramatic for effect. He starts off by saying, I'm speaking the truth. By the Holy Spirit, my conscience confirms it. Now, why would Paul honestly say that he would go to such extreme lengths? I believe it is because he had an ache. He had an ache. He had an ache in his heart for lost people. And he describes that ache when he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish for my brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus. He had an ache. Jesus had an ache. That's where Paul got it. See, Jesus had the ache for lost people. That's why he was obedient. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he said, for the joy set before me, I go and endure this agony. It's because Jesus had an ache for lost people. Paul got it from Jesus. Jesus got it from his father, God. When God looked on at the men and women that he had created, and he saw their sin and their rebellion and the mess that they were getting involved in, he had an ache. He ached for them. And in his ache, he sent his son, Jesus. Paul got it from Jesus. Jesus got it from his father, 
God. And if you read the page of the New Testament, we see this ache in Paul was relentless in many travel from place to place. He endured shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonments. He did all that he could. I become all things to all men that I might win some to the gospel. That was Paul. And I know it's difficult for us to face up to the reality of lostness, that people are cut off from God, that they are heading for an eternity without him. I know it's difficult and painful for us, especially when we think of our loved ones who are not saved. My mum and dad is not saved. My brother is not saved. The truth, the reality is they are heading for an eternity without God. It is difficult for us to face up to that reality, but we must engage. We must face up to it because only by doing that, I believe, can we get the ache. Can we get an ache in our hearts for lost people? And it won't be comfortable. Jesus' life wasn't comfortable. Paul's life wasn't comfortable. It's okay for us to live with an ache in our hearts for lost people. They, they lived, God lives with an ache in his heart for lost people. I'm reading through Jeremiah. Towards the end of Jeremiah, God says to the nations that have been terrible to, to God's people and to God's people themselves who have been terrible to God, God said, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do. And then at the end, he nearly says, but I'm going to bring you back. <laughs> but I'm going to bring you back. Because there's a, an ache in God's heart for lost people. It's okay for us to live with an ache. We're still called to be joyful because our names are written in the book of life. It's not two-faced to be joyful about our salvation, yet ache for the lost. It's exactly what Jesus calls us to be, joyful for the fact that we are saved and have his love, but live with a sense of ache for those who don't know him. And I think that where it starts is prayer. Prayer is the first tangible step to loving people. It's out of that place of an ache that we will be motivated to pray, to pray. We must keep carrying on praying. I don't care how many times you've prayed for your unbelieving spouse, neighbor, child, brother, sister, friend, colleague. I don't care. My encouragement to you is to keep on praying for them because there is no plan B. There is no alternative. It's, it's prayer that paves the way. It's prayer that opens up our hearts that we might be willing to be involved with God. It's prayer that opens up people's hearts. It's prayer. We must petition God for the souls of unbelievers. And we must petition God that he would use us, us, fumbling us, idiot Dale, in nowhere Costa, with his silly little card, and he hasn't even got the boldness to say something to two strangers. We've got to pray, God, would you please do something in us that we would be involved? Pray in English, pray in tongues. Uh, for, for me, I kind of, I just, I keep praying in tongues about it because I don't know how else to pray. Someone encouraged me, though. I heard this. They said, if you pray in the spirit because you don't know exactly what you're praying, though you might know the general area, you might get answers to prayers that you didn't know you prayed. How cool is that? 
How cool is that? Let's pray and believe God will bring people across our paths. God will give us opportunities. And you know, we don't, God, just give us the seed. God, just give us something to share with this person. Let us just take them on the next step. Don't need to clinch the deal. Don't necessarily need to see them get down on their knees and give their life to you here, though that would be amazing. Just need to, just need to see them the next step, maybe. I'd love to talk about the other two, care and share, but we haven't got time. And actually, I believe they are immaterial unless we really want to love people as Jesus loves us and commanded us. And from that love, we then pray. I think everything that comes after that, if it's not done in love through prayer, is not going to last and is just for show. Or maybe it's just to appease our guilty consciences. It's got to start with the love of God touching us for ourselves and for others. And then I think that's got to translate into us praying. Praying for our brothers and sisters in church. Praying for those that we love. Praying for those outside of the church. God, save them. God, save them. God, use me to reach them. God, use me to reach anyone that you want, that you want to reach. God, we're your witnesses. We're your ambassadors. I'd just like to ask you, just to close your eyes just for a moment, I just want to pray for anyone here who's not a Christian this morning. And somehow you've stumbled in here. Maybe God's brought you and is calling you. I just want to just say a prayer that you can say after me if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning. So you just repeat this in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong and said wrong in my life. I'm sorry for the years that I've lived in total disregard for you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that on the cross you took the punishment for my sin. Please, Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit to come and live with him. Be with me every day, on this day till my last day, and then take me to be with you in heaven. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, do come and see me afterwards. The other thing I'd love to do is just to ask God to fill us with his spirit. Because actually, when the Holy Spirit comes, we receive God's love. And I, I want to give us opportunity corporately to ask God, would he fill us with his love this morning in order that this week we might be witnesses for him? Yeah? In order that we would be witnesses for him. So let me put it the other way around. If you're not sure whether you really want to be a witness for him this week, don't ask for God's love right now. Can I say that? 
I've said it. It's out there. <laughs> I want to pray genuinely, God, give us that ache. Give us that ache, Lord. Give us that love, Lord. And then let that motivate prayer and then let that motivate our availability. So, yeah, so it, it, if you want to ask, I just want to ask you to stand up now. If you don't want to, that's fine. But if you do, then I just want you to stand up. We'll worship again. And I'd like to just invite you to put your hands out. And I'm going to ask that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit. And then when I finish, I want you to ask him yourself, just where you are, out loud. <clears throat> just say, Lord, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit when I finish. Then we're going to worship. We're going to have tea and coffee. Do. Lord Jesus, we stand before you as a church. And Lord, we hear your command to love others as you have loved us. And so we, we pray, Lord, right now by your Spirit, you come touch our hearts. Would you come and touch our hearts, Lord, that we would know afresh your love, that we would also have something of an ache for those who don't know you. Lord, this is not a thing we can conjure up from inside of us. It's only by your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we, we say, come now and fill us afresh. We are. Jesus' name.